All right, we've come to the end of Romans, even even though you did chapter 15 and 16 last week. Uh, the idea the elders had was to summarise the book of Romans on the uh, this week, on the last week before we finish our teaching program. I am not going to go through all the things that we said about Romans. That's not how this summary is going to go. Do you remember back in May when we started this, the, the book of Romans, we said we would look at Romans in a particular way. We were going to be faithful to the text. When thing, you know, we were going to go through the book of Romans and talk about everything that was in there. But in particular, what we wanted to do was have a look at Romans through the lens of our strategic priority number three, which was believe, wasn't it? It's believe. And so that's what it says that, that all people in the wider community of Montmorency Community Church will have an opportunity to believe in Jesus as Saviour and Lord. And we wanted to look at and examine this subject of belief in the book of Romans. That's, that was the lens, wasn't it? That was the, the magnifying glass that we were going to put on the book of Romans to see what it said about belief and unbelief. And what we recognised was there were, there were great benefits which we've spoken about and sung about and remembered about this morning. But also there are great consequences of belief and unbelief. And that they're, they're highlighted in the book of Romans. So could you just turn with me to chapter 1? Good place to start a summary, isn't it, of Romans. Chapter 1 of Romans. I just want to read a little portion just to remind you of God's stated purpose. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 says there, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who, as his human nature, was a descendant of David and who, through the spirit of holiness, was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his name's sake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of God, you know. You can summarise it and you you can state it in a whole heap of different ways, but this is the purpose, to call a people from among the Gentiles, from among the world, the nations of the world, to call them to obedience. That's what it says there. That's the purpose of God. You think about Genesis, when God created everything and he put man and woman in the garden. There was a test there, wasn't there? God gave them everything. 
He didn't ask for much in return, but he asked them to be obedient in this one thing. So right from the word go, right from the seed plot of the Bible, Genesis, we have this principle and it's still true today and it's true in Romans. And then God's stated purpose is not just to call a people from among the Gentiles, but called to be saints. Saints, that doesn't mean a St Kilda supporter, right? It means the saints. It means separated to God. Believers, believers in God and on God. And then I love this bit because this is our priority number two, isn't it? It says, and then we're called the Romans were called uh, a call, sorry, to the all in Rome who are called by God to be saints and to belong, belong to Jesus Christ. That means to 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 be joined, joined, just like you would you would buy a membership to your footy club. You want to be a part of that team, of that club. Part of that success. Joined and following him. I'm going to read a couple more verses out of chapter 1. How does all this happen? How does it all happen? And Paul states very clearly here in uh, in chapter 1, in verse 15, that is why I am so eager to preach the gospel. Also to you who are at Rome, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. First the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And another word for faith, brothers and sisters, is this very simple word, believe, belief. Another word. That's the purpose of God. Not just in Romans, but all the time. But what we did learn in Romans is that there are three groups of people that are related to this word belief or belief. You you can categorise people into three three groups. The first group is those those who do not believe in God. Now, we we, we read about them in chapters 1 and 2. Despite all the clear evidence out there in nature, in creation, uh, the universe, all those places that we've mentioned already, despite the clear evidence in creation, they still do not believe in God. I don't know what they believe in. I really don't. Because one of the reasons I don't believe in evolution is because it is unbelievable. It really is. You know, we're told constantly that our, that our ecosystem is so dependent on everything being done right and, it, you know, correctly and, you know, we, 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 we can upset the, the environment, the, the, the world that we live in by just making this little change. And yet they're telling me that everything came into being by accident. 
do you realise that the premise of evolution is that everything must happen at the same time because everything out there, brothers and sisters, is dependent on something else. If we, if we, if we divert a river, if we cut too many trees down, if, if we, if we, you know, do something like burn too much coal, look at the devastation that it causes. And yet they tend to believe that evolution can just happen. You, you think about that for a minute. And now, and now they're saying, yeah, look, that's, that's true. Uh, it has to happen all at once, like with a big bang. Uh, I think that happened in Genesis, didn't it? Happened all at once. God spoke like a big bang. I don't know. That's why I don't believe it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. But I look out there and I see a designer. We look out there and we see thought and planning and, and, and calculations of how things work and are interdependent, how they need each other. And most scientists will tell you they believe in a, in a, in a higher design creator type thing, situation. Maybe not God as we know him, but they can't get away from the fact that it didn't happen by accident. And despite the clear evidence in our, in our morality, think about this, brothers and sisters. How long have we been alive? It doesn't matter how long, right? Even if we say it's 6,000 or 10,000, whenever, whenever you think the cavemen dwelt on the earth, it doesn't matter. Nothing has changed in our moral character. It doesn't matter that we can have hard and soft copies of directories. It doesn't matter that we can put someone else's heart in another human being via transplant. We still struggle with greed and hatred and prejudice and all those other things, anger and violence. Man has not changed. And so despite the evidence, there's been a clear conscious decision by this group of people not to believe in God. In other words, they are ignoring God. They are ignoring the evidence. They don't care. They don't want to believe. And the consequences of that we read in Romans is that God gave them over to their sinful desires to their shameful lusts, gave them over to their depraved minds. And listen to this. This is how chapter 1, I don't know if you remember this, this is how chapter 1 in Romans finished. The last couple of verses. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, not only do they continue to do these things, these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. I said this when I spoke on this. It's happening today. That, that describes our society now. The second group of people, those who would believe in God. You know, like I said, there are those people who, who accept that it's hard to explain how everything came into being, how, how this little planet called Earth can go around this orbit, you know, all the time, you know, and doesn't change. And, and it's just tilted 23, not 22 degrees, Graham, 
or 25 because there would be no life on this earth. There'd be no atmosphere. We wouldn't survive. Just the right amount. And it stays there. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine it just staying there, spinning away? Year after year after year after year after It's so consistent that we can depend on it. And these people find it hard to say, oh, I don't believe it was an accident. I think, I think somebody had a hand in that. And then there are even, the, there may be even a group of people who have experienced the blessings of this God that we're referring to and Paul's referring to in Romans. For example, like the Jews, we've read about the nation of Israel in, in, in this book of Romans and how they experienced the, the blessings of God. And even today, when you talk to people, it's really interesting when you look at surveys and uh, censuses and things like that, many would believe in God or a higher power or something out there. There's something out there. So that's the second group. Now there's the third group. Those who believe God. Did you leave a word out, Raph? No, I didn't leave a word out. Those who believe God. Not just in his existence. Not just a, a, oh yeah, there must be some higher power. Nothing like that. But believe in his holiness, in his righteousness, his claims, his commands. Everybody here, I look around and there's no real strangers. There are some strange people. No, there are no strangers. So I can say that everyone in this room, I'm very confident to say that you believe in God. You do. I know you do. The question is, are you in that third group of people? Do you believe God? Because we looked at that, we looked at that sort of group in Romans. And they were the nation of Israel, the Jews. And that's the example that Paul gives as a people who, who believe God. Israel believed God. They, 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 they experienced his deliverance from Egypt, from bondage, from slavery. 400 years they were there. And he freed them. In, Ex- in the book of Exodus, we read about that. They saw his presence in a pillar of fire, in a pillar of cloud, leading them. Go here, go there. And for protection. They enjoyed his provision. While they were in the wilderness, there was manna. There were little quails. And there was, there was cool water to drink. The whole nation. They witnessed his power. You know, they, they watched the, the uh, Egyptian army, very, very powerful army at the time, coming towards them. And there they were, at the edge of the Red Sea. And it parted. And they walked through on dry land. And then as the Egyptian army came to follow them and and cut them down, God brought the waters back. And the whole army, Pharaoh and his army, perished. They They had a unique and special 
communication with God. I wish we had that today. I wish that as an elder, one of, one of the three of us could go into God's presence and get his instructions from me. And I could come back or Josh or Andrew could come back and say, God told me to tell you this. That's what they had. And they were camped around Mount Sinai, uh, Mount Sinai and they heard the rumblings as God spoke to Moses. They believed God. They certainly did. And they worshipped God. They had a unique, intimate relationship as well. So how come God set them aside? How come when we got to chapters 9, 10 and 11 of, of Romans, we read that God has set them aside? He, he, he is no longer favouring them. They're no longer favoured by God as his people. They're on, on hold, so to speak, as we saw. Why is that? Why did that happen? They stopped believing God. Not stopped believing in God, because they believed he was there. They knew he was there. They still had the temple and all those, you know, everything. They refused. They refused to believe God. Here's, a, here's some historical references. They, they refused to listen to Moses, didn't they? While they were in the wilderness, and while Moses gave them God's literal instructions, they refused to listen. They murmured. They complained. They thought God was going to make them starve to death in the wilderness. And when the manna came, that was good. Now, but I'm, I, uh, I need my protein. And God sent them the quails. We're going to die first. God gave them cool water to drink. And then about two and a half, maybe three weeks into their journey, they get to the edge, the bank or one side of the River Jordan, and they could see the promised land. You could see it. And they sent the spies in to spy out the land. Preparing, thinking, yeah, we're gonna, we need to know the layout so we can go in there, because God told them that they'd have to conquer the land, He would help them, yes, okay. And the spies came, oh, big people, big people, big walls, oh, too hard. They wouldn't believe God. And so the whole of that generation, bar two people, had to walk and walk and walk for 40 years until they all died. Because they wouldn't believe God. And then when they finally did go into the promised land, the new generation, God gave specific instructions, a little bit gruesome. He said, you need to wipe out all, all, all of the inhabitants, all, all the Canaanites. Get rid of them all. They didn't do that. Nearly got rid of them all. And what a thorn in their side they've been. And then with the priesthood, Instead of making sure that they realised and appreciated the, the, the special relationship that that priesthood had, 
the, the, the connection that the people had with God through the priesthood, they allowed it to be corrupt. Eli, Eli was told by God, I'm going to get rid of you. You can't be my representative with the people anymore. Why? They wouldn't believe. Wouldn't believe. And then here's something. I want to read you this because every time I read this, it really distresses me. It really does. In 1 Samuel chapter 8. If you've got your Bible there, please turn to it. I want to paint you a little, quick little picture. Nearly, nearly 400 years after the, the, the nation of Israel had been liberated and freed from bondage by God, and all those things we've talked about and more, much more, he had, he'd been doing for the nation of Israel, this is where we get to. Right? This is where we get to. They wanted a king. Not God anymore. They wanted a king. Listen to what it says. Chapter 8 of First Samuel, it says... Uh, sorry, verse four. They said to, to, to Samuel, the people said to Samuel, "You're old, and your sons do not walk in your in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have." Sometimes, you know, and I have a vivid imagination. I've shared this with you, but I think about, you know, God heard that. He actually heard them saying that. I have no idea how God would feel. I know how I would feel. If I had have been in that relationship with Israel and had helped them for 400 years, 400 and more, but, you know, clear evidence, clear evidence. And they said, we, we, we want a king like everyone else has around there, all those nations out there. The ones not favoured by God. We want, we want the same thing. You know, Mo, uh, Samuel was very upset because, I mean, he, he had a very close relationship with God. And, and he's thinking to himself, I'm going to have to go and tell God what they've said. Here's what, uh, here's what uh, the Lord said, God said. Now listen to them, he said. But warn them solemnly and let them know what the king will reign over them will do. And then he says uh, in, in, in verse 7, The Lord said to him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. I don't know how, 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 how God didn't just strike, the, you know, wipe them all out. I really don't understand why he didn't do that. And that's where the rot started for the nation of Israel. It really did. When they no longer, as their first priority, believed God. They believed in God. They still had the temple. They still did the, 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 the festival things, you know, the, the feasts and, and the sacrifice. Still did all that. But I believe this is where the rot started. They thought they could do better. And you know, Israel is still estranged from God. Still. 
not experiencing the blessings of God. Have you ever wondered, and this is all the other things that I do when I have a bit of spare time, I sit there and I wonder about things. Have you ever wondered what, it would be, what the world would have been like if Israel had not rejected God? Ever thought about that? What would the world look like now? What would the world have looked like when the Lord came to the nation of Israel and they embraced him as their Messiah instead of nailing to a cross? Have you ever thought about that? What would the world be like? I often wonder about that. Anyway, let's move on. I've got to ask you a question. We've spent such a long time since May in Romans and looked at this word believe. I've got to ask you the question this morning. Do you believe God? Do you? Do you really believe God? I need to read you some more verses from from, uh, the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Belief, up there it says, equals obedience equals love. From God's perspective, this is how he sees things. I'm going to read you these verses. Chapter 14, verse 20. On that day, this is the Lord saying this, you will realise that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Listen to this. Whoever has my commands and obeys them. Have you got that in your Bible? That's what it says in mine. And obeys them. He's the one who's a super Christian, is right, is wrong. No, he's the one who loves me. God does not want boxes of chocolates, flowers or things like that. What does he want? How can I tell God that he, I love him? How can this church tell God that we love him? Whoever has my command and obeys him, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him too and will show himself to me. Verse 22. If anyone loves me, just in case you missed it earlier, right? The Lord said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Not just the commands, but the teachings, Chris. That's what it says. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Verse 24. He who does not love me. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. I was going to say it's as plain as black and white, but in my Bible it's red and white. But that's what the Lord said from his Father. Words from his Father. This is how God sees things. Not how I see things. Not how the elders here see things. Not how the brethren, the the, the Christian brethren see things. This is what the word of God says. Do you believe God? Do you? In case 
it's not clear. Let's have a quick look at verse uh, chapter 15 and verse 10. The Lord says to his disciples, he says, If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. And in verse 14 it says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it? If you believe God, that's what needs to be done. And how, 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 how is this, how do we really believe, how do we believe God? Well, it, it makes it really clear, and in lots of other places in scripture, we please God by obeying what he says. Doing what he says. Obeying the teachings, following the teachings, acting on the teachings, putting them into practice, all of that. That's how God acknowledges that we believe in him. That's how he says, yep. Not so much how many times you come to church or whether you believe that he created the, the, the trees and the birdies and the fishies. In the, yep, that's all good. But if you believe God, what he wants is for us to obey, which means we demonstrate that we love him. This has been manifested, and time's going, this has been manifested right through the Old Testament. I'm not going to read these, uh, these verses. But Abraham, Abraham, it says, it says he was a friend of God, had a special relationship with God, right? Why? It says in, in Genesis 15:6, Romans 4 and 3, we looked at that, and Galatians 3, and James 2, it says, because he believed God. In the little book of Jonah, you know, as a kid, you loved that story, yeah? But there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a couple of verses, Jonah 3, verse 5. It says, it says there that, that God was going to destroy them because of their sin and their unbelief. And when Jonah reluctantly finally went and told them that, you know what it says there? What do you think it says there? They believed God and repented and changed their ways. And God says, I love it, I haven't got time to read it, but it says that because they believed, God showed mercy on them. I love that. It just makes it so clear to me what God expects from me. Just to believe. Believe me, Raph. Believe me. Is it not enough to believe? Is, is, is it not enough to believe in God? No, it's not. Because in James 2, James tells us that even what? Even the demons believe in God. They believe, they know he exists and they know what's going to happen to them because there is a God. But they don't believe God. They don't believe him. Never have. Believe, it means, this is what it means, to accept something, in this case in the context of Romans, something as true, real and genuine. It also means to trust, to have confidence in what you believe. Do you believe God? 
And that's the last one is a biblical dictionary definition of Mr. Vine. It it literally means to take God at his word. That's what it means to believe. Take God at his word. Do I believe? Do you believe? Look, my time's gone, but what about all these people that, that, that pick and choose what they're going to believe out of Scripture? That's why we have so many denominations, all focusing on peripheral things. But have they really sat down and looked at the Scriptures and believed what God tells them? And, 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 and the reason the church is powerless today is because we're, we're focusing, we're majoring on fringe issues, fringe issues, things that aren't really that important. They're not the core business. You know what the Lord said when he was a young chap and, 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 he, and, and, he, was, and he was, you know, lost? They said, look, you should have known where I was. I was about my father's business, telling people about the word of God, explaining them to the, script, the scriptures to them. This is what we should be doing for the nations, for the world. Not arguing about hymns and words and, 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 you know, what version to read. I mean, it's ridiculous. And yet that's where we are. The lack of spiritual blessing in our lives is, is a, is a, is a direct result of our unbelief. We won't believe God. Now I want to ask you this other question. Has God been saying something to you personally? Maybe through the teaching over in the book of Romans. Maybe in your private reading. Maybe some sermons you might be listening to on, on podcasts and stuff. Has God been saying something to you? Do you believe? Do you believe what he's saying? Hmm? Or are you arguing with him? Or are you refusing to listen? Or worse? Are you ignoring him? Has the Holy Spirit been highlighting something to you? On, you know, everyone's talking. Every time you hear, you know, the sermon, it brings it up. You pick up your Bible. Here it is again. Your daily ring. Here it is again. You might be listening to Christian radio and the day, the verse of the day. There it is again. The same thing comes up over and over and over and over again. Because God's like that. He gives us a lot of chances to, you know, pick up on what he wants us to do. Do you believe? Do you believe that God is speaking to you this morning? Do you? And is God instructing you to do something, go somewhere, or change an attitude, a characteristic, a trait, a habit? That's what he has been doing to people all the way down. Romans has taught us or shown us, if nothing else, the importance of believing. But it is important what we believe and who we believe. Lots of synonyms for the word believe. Accept, affirm, conclude to be true, to have confidence, to admit, to trust, to understand. But the most important thing that I've learnt in Romans I've got to take action. I've got to action, put into practice what has been learned. I'm not good at this. This is the last, these are the last few verses in the book of Romans. This is how we're going to finish today. 
I want you to, I'm going to put it up on the screen and, and, and there's a few bold words there. I hope that you'll notice that they're the words that have been coming up this morning and through the book of Romans constantly. I think there's, there's, there's good cause for us to say we really need to take note of this. But more than that, action it. Because in Romans we've seen that there are consequences or outcomes whether we believe or not, irrespective of which group of people we are in. There are consequences and outcomes, whether we believe or not. And so Paul, after writing to those beautiful Christians in, 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 in Rome, this is how he finishes the letter. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, According to the revelation of the majesty, of the mystery rather, hidden for, for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him. It starts off with that and it concludes with that. Believe and obey to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed the series on Romans. Maybe next week or the week after there'll be a little survey given to you for a bit of feedback to the elders. Please take the time to think and fill it in so that we can see how how we're going. Maybe we haven't done a very good job, but if you've read the book of Romans, believe me, you have been blessed.